A boy noticed a cocoon hanging from a tree branch and saw that there was a small gap in the cocoon through which a butterfly was working to appear. He watched the butterfly struggling and struggling to try and get out, but the gap was tiny and it just couldn't get through. Worried that the butterfly might die from effort, the boy decided to help. He took out his penknife and he cut open the cocoon. And the butterfly immediately got out and fell to the ground. Its body was weak and feeble and its wings were barely moving. The boy was sure its wings would spread and it would begin to fly. But that never happened. It remained weak and unable to fly because the boy hadn't realized that only through this intense process would the life-giving fluid move from the body to the butterfly's wings, allowing it to fly. But leaving its shell too early meant the butterfly wasn't able to grow and develop as it needed. This parable reminds me of the journey of spiritual growth. Sometimes we rail against all the struggles and difficulties in life, but perhaps we actually need them to become stronger, more resilient and spiritually evolved. I remember over the Christmas holidays how frustrated I was to be quarantined while my mother isolated in our home with COVID. I had to cancel my five-day New Year's meditation retreat, and I'd been really looking forward to it. And I couldn't see friends who were visiting from out of town. And I couldn't go dancing, which is my favorite decompression activity. First world problems, I know, but it felt like I was on house arrest during my precious time off. So I tried to embrace this turn of fate as another growth opportunity and looked to find the good and be grateful even when I was feeling the opposite. Just when our spiritual growth feels like it's getting somewhere, we're confronted by new challenges that invite us to evolve further. Indeed, our lives present us with never-ending challenges, don't they? Struggles which call us to transform and evolve, should we choose. These challenges train us to mature our wings and learn to fly. But what characterizes spiritual growth versus personal growth? And what does spiritual growth look like in a Unitarian Universalist context? My son Gabriel asked me, what about the atheists, agnostics, and humanists among us? How does spiritual growth apply to them? Is it relevant to someone who doesn't believe in a God or higher organizing power? And what's the difference between a community and a spiritual community? And are moral and ethical teachings different from spiritual wisdom? I wrestled with all of those questions this week, and the answers weren't immediately apparent. As I see it, personal growth is anything that helps you function better in this world, whether it's gaining knowledge, achievements, wisdom, or learning new skills. Or like the man in our story earlier, committing to an exercise routine. Or whether it's doing psychotherapy to overcome childhood wounding, stress or anxiety or depression. Or it may be about becoming more productive, having better relationships, amassing wealth or achieving success. Personal growth is focused on the self and how you might improve your existence here on this earth. Spiritual growth 
goes beyond the individual, evolving oneself for the good of the whole. It goes beyond our day-to-day material, physical, and emotional needs to explore the mystery of life, a greater purpose for living. A spiritual life is aware of our interconnectedness and the interdependent web of life and strives to harness our energies for good, for evolution. Now, in some religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, there's a state of enlightenment or nirvana or inner wisdom that we can strive for. Then we're no longer impacted by the daily noise of life, and we can transcend our physical, reactive, instinctual existence to invite more peace. Thich Nhat Hanh said, peace in oneself, peace in the world. The spiritual path asks for devotion to a higher good or purpose. It requires us to grow for the benefit of all beings. It helps us evolve our ethical and moral existence beyond self-interest. And it encourages humility and generosity. Authentic spiritual growth leads you to be more compassionate, more grateful, and present, and allows your inner light to come out and shine. Now, to do all this usually necessitates some form of regular practice, just as you would train if you wanted to get fit. Now, if you're not a theist, please note that leading a spiritual life doesn't require a belief in a god or higher power. But it does require a humble, deeper awareness that there are many unknown facets to life. The great spiritual prophets, such as Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad, among others, were seemingly able to transcend this earthly existence. And though incarnate, they reached enlightenment, and their teachings show us the spiritual path to healing, transformation, and growth. Their wisdom illuminates some common threads of spiritual development. They all emphasize the importance of increasing our capacity to love by loving your enemy and welcoming the stranger. They encourage us to be peaceful, humble, and forgiving. They invite us into the present moment, right here, right now, to become mindful that this moment is all we truly have. They challenge us to let go of the constrictions of our thoughts and realize that true reality lies beyond our minds' interpretations. They encourage us to remember the finite nature of life and material possessions. And above all, they inspire us to expand our compassion, make a difference in others' lives, and transform ourselves for the greater good of humanity. The Dalai Lama and the late Archbishop Desmond Tutu share their thoughts on spiritual qualities in the Book of Joy. Both Nobel Peace Prize winners, they went through tremendous hardships in their lives. The Dalai Lama, now 86, has been exiled from his home country of Tibet for much of his life and has been working for freedom from Chinese rule while leading Buddhism around the world. Meanwhile, South African Christian Desmond Tutu passed away just a few weeks ago, aged 90, suffered under the oppression of apartheid for most of his life. Yet 
these two wise spiritual leaders are some of the happiest, most joyful beings that you're ever likely to meet. They continuously reframe their challenges as opportunities for spiritual growth. And during their week together in Nepal on the occasion of the Dalai Lama's 80th birthday, they hung out and ate, walked and laughed, talking about how to create lasting happiness. And they came up with eight pillars of joy, qualities of the mind and heart that lead to joy and spiritual growth. The first four qualities are what they call qualities of the mind, namely perspective, humility, humor, and acceptance. Let's begin with perspective. The Dalai Lama says that the key to living a contented existence is our perspective towards life. He reminds us we create most of our suffering with our minds, so we should be able to create more joy. And he challenges us to continuously work to reframe situations more positively. There were two soldiers who both both lost their legs in combat. One remained lying on his bed, knotted up in a fetal position, angry at life and his fate. The other was out in his wheelchair, feeling gratitude he'd survived and was given a second chance at life. That soldier also realized that he was now closer to the flowers in the garden and he could look children straight in the eye. These men had the same experience, but very different perspectives. One embraced his challenge as a spiritual lesson. The Archbishop teaches us about perspective by inviting us that when we look at the calamities in our world, to look again and see all those who are helping to heal those who've been harmed. He reminds us that we can either focus on that which is terrible in our world or that which is good and uplifts. Both men challenge us to step back and take the long view of a situation. Something that seems really difficult in the moment may fade into insignificance over time. The Archbishop suggests that when you sit in traffic, rather than getting angry and frustrated, imagine the hardships and struggles that everyone around you is fighting. And then offer them good thoughts or loving blessings. They both recommend shifting our perspective from I, me, and mine to we, us, and ours. Think about suffering with others. And remember our interdependence. There's actually a wonderful phrase in Buddhism that reminds us, just like me, just like me, that person is going through a difficult time. And this is how we remember our connection to others. The second quality of the mind is humility. They invite us to be fallible humans and acknowledge our shortcomings. The Dalai Lama loves when things go wrong on his state visits with premiers of countries because it helps him see the humanity among the people claiming to be so important. The third quality is to cultivate humor. The Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu were laughing together all week and seemed more like a comedy duo than venerable spiritual leaders. Humor is a tool that brings people together, seeing the ridiculous in us all. Self-deprecating humor 
is actually the best. The kind of humor that says, come, stand next to me and let's laugh at me together. And then we can laugh at you together. It doesn't belittle either of us, but it lifts us, allows us to recognize and laugh about our shared humanity, about our shared vulnerabilities and our shared frailties. Life is hard. And laughter is how we come to terms with the ironies, cruelties, and uncertainties we face, says the Archbishop. The next quality of the spiritual mind is acceptance. Accepting life in all its pain, imperfection, and beauty. Archbishop Tutu explains we are meant to live in joy. This doesn't mean life will be easy or painless. It means we can turn our faces to the wind and accept that this is the storm we must pass through. We cannot succeed by denying what exists. The Dalai Lama also believes acceptance is the key to contentment and spiritual growth, but it's not blind acceptance, he cautions. You should still do what you can to improve the world. The other four characteristics of joy and spiritual growth are four qualities of the heart. Forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. Forgiveness. Not forgiving the bad behavior, but forgiving the essence of the person since they will anyway be suffering from their wrongdoing. Love the sinner, not the sin. Archbishop Tutu says, until we can forgive the person who harmed us, that person will hold the keys to our happiness. That person will be our jailer. When we forgive, we take back control of our own fate and our feelings, and we become our own liberator. And I think about Nelson Mandela when I hear that quote, too. The next heart quality is gratitude. Gratitude for our lives. Acceptance means not fighting reality. Gratitude means embracing reality, they say. Whatever life gives to you, gratitude expert and monk brother David Steindl Rost explains, you can respond with joy. Joy is a happiness that does not depend on what happens. It is the grateful response to the opportunity that life offers you at this moment. Grateful people are joyful people. The third heart quality is compassion. The word literally means suffering with. The Dalai Lama says that compassionate concern for others' well-being is the source of happiness. Compassion is a skill that can be cultivated, they assure us, especially by recognizing our shared humanity. The more time you spend thinking about yourself, the more suffering you will experience. The Dalai Lama reminds us when we think of alleviating other people's suffering, our own suffering is reduced. And this is the true secret to happiness. They also emphasize the importance of self-compassion and keeping our hearts open, because when we close our hearts, we cannot be joyful. When we have the courage to live with an open heart, we're able to feel our pain, 
and the pain of others, but we're also able to experience more joy. The fourth and final quality is generosity. As the Bible and many other religious texts say, it is in giving that we receive. All religions prescribe generosity as a key trait. Generosity reminds us of our interdependence. We need one another, my friends. And the Dalai Lama says taking care of others, helping others, ultimately is the way to discover your own joy and to have a happy life. They both insist that generosity is the best way of becoming more and more joyful. So let me just review those characteristics. Perspective, humility, humor, and acceptance. Forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. My friends, these are qualities we, as you use, can certainly embrace as opportunities for spiritual growth. No matter your particular theology, whether you're theist or atheist, these are universal teachings that lead to spiritual growth and wisdom. Once upon a time, there was an old wise man named Salvador. One day, his nephew came to visit him. The young man was sad, gloomy, and obviously upset with something. Salvador asked what happened. The nephew said he'd suffered a serious setback and now he's never going to be able to achieve his goals. The nephew asked the old man for advice about what he should do next. Salvador asked his nephew to take him into the hills. The nephew agreed. The road was difficult and long and they both got very tired. When they got to the foothill, Salvador said, he wanted to go to the top of the highest hill. The young man was surprised, but decided to help his uncle because the old man had never climbed there. With great difficulty, the nephew helped his uncle climb the hill, sometimes even dragging the old man on his back. At the top of the hill, sweating and exhausted, he put his uncle on the ground and laughed happily. Salvador said, Remember when you were little, you sometimes returned home in tears? Do you remember why? The young man remembered that he and his friends called this hill an Everest because only few people could ever get to the top. At that time, I couldn't get up there. This hill seemed like an invincible rock to me. Yet today, you not only climbed there, but you dragged me up too, the old man said. How were you able to do that? What do you think? Perhaps I just grew up, the young man shrugged. I became stronger and fitter. And the formidable Everest suddenly turned into a harmless mound, said Salvador. There's my advice. This story gives me courage when life's mountains feel insurmountable. It also reminds me that when I'm focused on a purpose larger than my own life, I can find new reserves of strength and determination. As soon as the nephew's quest became more than just about his own condition, he was able to scale great heights that seemed impossible before. 
Plus, he forgot his troubles as he found a purpose larger than himself. And together with his uncle, a buddy and mentor on the journey, he was also able to tackle things he couldn't conquer before. Plus, he'd grown older and stronger, toughened by the challenges of life, so that new trials seemed less daunting. Meditation teacher Craig Hamilton asks us, Imagine for a moment that the fate of the entire human race rested on your shoulders alone. That humanity's evolution out of brute self-interest depended entirely on your willingness to transform your consciousness, to rise above your smallness, to evolve beyond your negative conditioning and become an exemplar of humanity's highest potential for the world. Would you approach your path any differently? With the energy you brought to your spiritual practice intensify with the quality of awareness and care with which you approached your interactions with others become more profound. If you knew it all rested on you, would you have any choice but to change? He asks. I'm inspired by this question. What if our spiritual evolution was necessary for our earth to survive? It's not just about sitting on the meditation cushion and trying to find greater peace and equanimity. That's an important tool for our spiritual journey. But it's also about how we deal with our own and the world's challenges. It's what differentiates a spiritual community from a regular community. It's about our mission at Chalice of nurturing spiritually courageous people who transform the world through justice and compassion. So my friends, I invite you to ask yourself when life gets tough, if this experience were inviting me into something deeper, what would it be asking me to look at, to feel, to release, to be? How might it be asking me to grow in patience, strength, insight, compassion, and forgiveness? In closing, then, if your intention is spiritual growth, I invite you to, number one, find a buddy and mentors who can help inspire and hold you accountable for the spiritual journey. Invite them to be your mirror and champion for your spiritual growth. Number two, work on inhabiting the qualities suggested by wisdom teachers. Find daily practices you can do to deepen and embody those qualities in your life. Number three, embrace challenges as opportunities to grow your wisdom. And finally, the fourth is ensure that you have a larger collective purpose for your spiritual journey. Participate in some of Chalice's social action activities to put love and wisdom into action. So as a spiritually nurtured person, you can help transform the world through justice and compassion.
May it be so. Blessed be. And now, my dear friends, I invite us to join together for our closing hymn, reminding us to give thanks for all that is our life. My beloveds, I close with the words of Reverend Eric Walker Wickstrom called, The purpose of this community is to help its people grow. If you are who you were, and if the person next to you is who he or she was, if none of us has changed since the day we came in here, we have failed. The purpose of this community, of any church, temple, zendo, mosque, is to help its people grow. We do this through encounters with the unknown in ourselves, in one another, in the other, whoever that might be for us, however hard that might be. Because these encounters have many gifts to offer. So may you go forth from here this morning, not who you were, but who you could be. So may we all, may it be so. Amen.